Aftershocks by Andrew James Chapter 7 First Session What I'd like to do is get to know you better before we begin with the process. God, if that didn't sound cliche. Like every therapist learned on their first day on the job to tell their patients they wanted to get to know them better first. It was disarming for sure and intended to be so, but it was cliche. In fact, I was almost certain I'd seen it in the movies. Is that what this was, a movie? He kept going. A lot of times the process can be painful, and sometimes patients have a hard time after they leave here. Some feel just fine afterwards, but others feel, well, trapped. Stuck, almost. I nodded and shifted uncomfortably on the couch before my new therapist. He'd been a referral from the man I'd been seeing for a few months now. Ever since things had taken a horrible turn, I had been told this guy was the best, that he had a special technique for helping me to remember. The good thing about him being a referral meant I didn't need to repeat myself. Telling a stranger you were abused as a child was a lot like a bad hangover. The nausea you experience for hours the morning after a good night drinking can never truly be ignored, so you weigh the decision whether to rush to the bathroom and force your fingers down your throat, getting it all out in one swift go, or waited out in misery, hoping that eventually it will subside on its own. I could never work up the courage to make myself throw up. Instead, I settled for the prolonged discomfort. I've always envied the people who aren't afraid to force themselves to just get it over with. So I sat there, not yet speaking, not sure where to start. Once we start, it takes about 30 minutes, but sometimes we take the full hour, he continued. It's called EMDR. We don't know exactly how it works, but basically it triggers your mind to think of things and remember things that are buried. It's not hypnosis. You're in control. But you are going to see things and remember things that are stored, that need to be remembered. And once you remember them here, as an adult, you can learn to remember them differently. That's what the R stands for. Reprogramming. He was younger than I expected, sitting in the waiting room. For my first session with him, I had an image of what I anticipated, but when he had walked in, his hand stretched out towards me, I had been shocked. I was used to therapists and counselors having that messy demeanor of someone who spends too much time worrying about others and not enough of themselves. Instead, before me stood a young man, probably around my own age. Rather than the usual baggy, oversized jeans and rumpled tops that I was accustomed to, here was a well-manicured man with fitted jeans neatly tucked into the tops of his boots. He was a hipster and he had the hair to prove it. I pictured him with a can of old-fashioned beer in one hand and a work of Chaucer or Keats in the other, reading to a throng of undergrads all fawning over him, girls and guys alike. I couldn't tell if I liked him yet. He looked like a man I should be grabbing a drink with after a friendly game of pickup hockey, not confessing to my childhood fear, but I guess they came in all shapes and sizes. For many, it can feel as though they're watching those events over and over again, and others feel like they're living it in their memory. That's why I say it can be difficult. There was a long pause again. I had words and questions forming in my mind that I was going through and selecting and discarding like a game of dominoes. What was the first tile I would play? Instead, I want to know why, I asked. I spit that out before I knew I was even asking. The advantage of this new therapist being a referral was I didn't need to repeat the whole story of my past. He already knew why I was here. He knew the basics anyway. The hard part was already done for me. I'd been abused. 
probably more times than I could count, but what sicko wants to count? Until recently in my life, it was a tale only known by a very select few. A couple of significant relationships had pulled it out of me in recent years, but those relationships had ended. The most recent, in fire and brimstone, and that was why I was there. There was something there in my mind that I needed out. I needed an exorcism. In the recent months, maybe a year or so, something new had shown up in my mind. This stranger was unfamiliar to me, yet at the same time, it felt all too familiar. As though I should know it well, like a face from the past I just couldn't recall. It was a certain group of memories that I hadn't thought about in a very long time, and it was odd to see them there now, suddenly, and I wanted to know why. What had brought them all out of me? Why had they become such a damn nuisance? Well, that's always an important question. It's natural to ask why. Why did it happen to you? Why is it all coming back now? Do you want to start there? No EMDR today. We're just talking. I did want to talk. I knew once I started it would pour out of me, but that first step is the hardest, right? I want to know why, I said again. Then a long pause. That's what was good about this new therapist I had heard. He lets you work it out and gives you the space. Space was good. This was going to take some time. At last, I said almost in a whisper, I want to know why I went back. Why did I keep going back to the man who abused me? It was out. That was my question. Why had I returned? Over and over again, I had gone back to him knowing that each time was the same. No, not the same. Sometimes it was much worse. There were times that I could still feel and smell, and I could shiver from it like his ghostly fingers still touched me there. But why had I chosen to go back? It was a choice. It had been a choice. I knew that. I had returned because something about me wanted to return each and every time, and I was desperate to know why. What is wrong with me? I asked. Why would I go back? Over and over again, why did I want it to keep happening? I knew the answer that was coming before it came from him. You were young, he said. You didn't know what you were doing or that it was wrong. That's not true, I thought. It's bullshit, actually. I knew. I knew every time, even that first time that it wasn't right, I knew the moment that fucking guy showed me his dick in the unbuilt second floor of that house that I was wrong, that it was wrong. Sitting on the sheets of compressed lumber in the skeletal outline of a home, he had asked me if I wanted to see it. And I was embarrassed and uncomfortable, but I'd said yes anyway. I'd said yes out of curiosity and out of fear. Not fear of him, but fear that I was somehow different. I was so desperately afraid that I looked different. I knew it was wrong then. I knew it was wrong later. The degree of wrong may have changed, but it was always wrong. It's not that, I said. I don't know how to explain it so it makes sense. It's more than that. I was nine years old, ten years old. I knew there was something about it that was wrong. I remember even asking my mom, sitting on the patio of our pool, eating dinner one evening if I was gay. I was ten years old. I'm asking my mother if I'm gay. That's weird. I think it's weird. I don't know. Maybe it's not. There was enough confusion in all of it that I knew something was wrong with it. I kept going back, though. Even when I hated it, and it was fucking painful, because believe me, it was painful, I went back. Even those days I asked him to stop, and he didn't. I still went back. How do you explain that? 
See? It's pouring out of me now. I knew it would. I'm finally throwing up. I can't say it feels better, but certainly it's distracting. Someone once said the best thing about throwing up is that when you're doing it, you can't think about anything else. That was true, but like any good regurgitation, it doesn't stop until whatever's in there is out. You start, and then you're just along for the ride until it stops. No control. So why do you think you went back? You said that you didn't have many friends. Did you think he was your friend? The need for friendship is powerful, especially at that age. People crave and need that intimacy. And the feeling of care, it is incredibly powerful. I had none. I cut him off. I didn't have any friends. That was most of my life until, well, recently anyway. Now they're gone too, so I guess I'm back to square one. I thought I had friends once, then I got taped to a basketball pole. That kind of shit really makes you rethink trusting people. It took me forever to get over that. I still struggle with it, actually. Every time someone invites me somewhere, I wonder if they plan on doing something like that to me. Something dehumanizing. Why had I said that? That wasn't part of this story. Why was I talking about that memory? Well, it's all out now. Was this in Florida? Who taped you to a basketball pole? No. It was a few years later when we had moved to Holland. We left Florida, we moved to Georgia, then we moved to Holland. It's pretty there. Rows of tulips, windmills. Looks kind of like a fairy tale in some places, but yeah, I got taped to a basketball pole by the kids in my grade. It's even called taping. They had a name for it. It was supposed to be for the seniors to do to the freshmen, like a rite of passage thing for the kids on the sports team or the little brothers of the cool seniors. You're not supposed to be taped by the other freshmen. That's how cool I was. They invited me to go play basketball at the school, and halfway through the game, one of them grabbed me. They taped me to the basketball pole and sat at the free throw line and threw things at me. The ball, rocks, things that hurt. It sucked. I mean, it, it really fucking sucked. The worst part actually wasn't being taped. That was embarrassing, especially on Monday when I went to school and the whole hallway started laughing at me as I walked in. That wasn't fun, but the part that sucked the most was this one woman. She was walking past with her son, and she did nothing. I mean, she walked past with her fucking son, and instead of helping, she put her hand on his back and hurried him along and covered his face so he couldn't see. That was pretty awful. You know? I mean, that really explains people to you. Here's some 13-year-old kid taped to a pole covered in bruises and cuts and being tormented. And you could have stopped it. You could stop it with a word, and you just walked away. So yeah, I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. Okay, so if it hurt, if you knew it was wrong, why were you there? He asked, changing the subject back to where we had been. God, what a genius, this guy. Maybe what I heard about him was wrong. I swear, I just asked him to help me answer that. Parroting back my questions wasn't going to get me to answer it any faster. You can't just say what I say to you. He continued, Do me a favor and close your eyes. I want you to think of something. Sit back, close your eyes, go ahead. I shrugged. Sure, Doc, if you say so. But I dutifully obliged him. Let's try something new, I thought. Anything new. I need some answers here. Anything that can help me figure this thing out. He was talking now. As soon as my eyes had closed, he had started speaking. It was instructions. 
At his command, I sat back and I felt the couch against me. I felt the floor under my feet and how firm it felt there. I felt my hands clasped subconsciously on my knees and I forced myself to relax them. Okay. Think about the first time something happened. Think about the first time it felt wrong. What are you feeling? Not the pain, not the discomfort. Think about how you feel. What are you feeling right now? There was a pause. The feeling of my feet on the floor became heavier and my hands were tight against me on my knees. Hadn't I just loosened them a moment ago? There was a fight in my mind now. It's a struggle to remember something that happened to you almost 30 years ago, let alone something you have fought hard to remove from your mind. That wasn't true, though, was it? That was a lie. I'd been telling myself a lie because I didn't want to admit what was really going on. You haven't fought to remove it from your mind. You've held on to it, and you've been replaying it over and over again ever since. It's just that now it's gotten louder, and you can't ignore it anymore. So many images were coming forward now. I could see so much so quickly. It was a string of moments clipped deliberately and pasted together to make a filthy little preview. Each memory was hideous in its own way, but together it was a parade of horror. I could see his back laying across me, smothering me, and it looked so sweaty and huge, not proportionally huge the way I know it must have looked had my memory been honest, but from this view it was savage and monstrous, and it took up the entire bed with its width. It was a leviathan, more back than legs or arms, just one sweating, undulating, pale, pulsing muscle of crumpled red and purple sheets, and of course beneath it, me. Each moment was in third person. Was that right? Should I remember to ask him why they were always in the third person? I could see things from a view that wasn't my own, like a camera had been placed strategically, filming these horrible, sick little scenes and storing them away, knowing one day I would be back to watch them. I could see my small body kneeled before him. Disgusting. Again, the proportions were so wrong. I was a bright red spot on a dark canvas, as though rendered under a spotlight hidden in a cave, and only the concept of his form was above me. It was beautifully artistic in its value, but hued red in my memory. Here, at Chad's insistence, were the full barrage of my memories and the images of my abuser that stained my mind. With them came the same feelings I was accustomed to. Here was shame and anger and loneliness, and yet something else was there too. Another thought that I was shoving away, I was shoving it away again and again, not revulsion. The opposite of revulsion. It was an overwhelming need, an uncomfortable longing. It was something so subtle and yet so demanding, and with it came words, I liked it, I said. I don't want to like it, but I liked it. I don't hate him. How? How can I not hate him for what he did? But I don't. And then there were tears. I was crying, not crying in my memory. I was crying right now in this goddamn therapist's office in our very first visit. God damn it, I liked it. And I wanted him to like it. I wanted him to be happy. It fucking hurt, but I wanted him to be happy anyway, so I had just shut up. My feet were so heavy now. I felt like I wanted them to move, to shift them around on the floor to make sure they could still move, but I left them where they were, no interruptions. I was going to face this. I was onto something. 
the feel of his body and the feel of other things so much worse. The insulation in the attic where he had forced me down and held me in place until he hadn't anymore. But the itch in the skin where I had lay atop that pile of pink insulation had blistered and rubbed and there was no washing that feeling away. The feeling of pain at nights in my bed after I had seen him and the ache and agony I felt in areas of my body that I had hid. I could feel that ache still. Like I'd been stretched too far or I'd been overfilled. Like the discomfort of eating too much and the needed tension and bloating to go away. But it wouldn't and I dared not tell anyone. I could feel the fear. So much fear. There was fear that someone would find out and they would hate me even more for it. There was fear that he wouldn't want to see me anymore. There was another fear too, one that I didn't understand. I was afraid because I didn't understand it. Maybe I hadn't understood it then, but I could try to understand it now. I wanted to transpose this image of who I was now in this moment onto the memory of myself replete with all of the judgment and disdain I felt at that very instance. Why hadn't I just stopped going back to him? Stupid. You stupid child. You said you wanted him to like it. Why did you want him to be happy? What was it that made you want him to be happy? These questions, Jesus, these questions are too much. I don't know. I don't know why my sick little 10-year-old mind wanted this guy to like what he did to me. Why the hell would I want him to like my body? I didn't like it. But yeah, why? Why? Why did I care? What made me want him to want me? Maybe that's the question. Okay. Maybe that's the question. We're getting somewhere now. Why did I want him to like it? Think, Andrew, think. Use your big fucking brain and remember why. Because, because if he liked it, then he'd like me. Tears. Tears are racing now. Big breaths and I'm back in control. No, I'm not. I am pretending. I'm not in control. This is way too much now, way too big, big breaths now. I want him to like me. God damn it, I wanted him to like me. Stupid therapist. <laughs> he got me. Okay, no more questions. But why did that matter? Think about what you told me. Think about who you were then at 10 years old. Who were you? Remember that lonely little boy. Remember how you felt and how he made you feel. Not the pain. Forget that part now. How did he make you feel? I have got to move my feet. How is it possible to be so aware of my feet, but to be so aware of the man, the man, the way that it feels at the same time? It's like I'm in two places at once. Is that possible? It certainly feels like that. I was so alone. You have no idea. I was so alone. Everywhere I went, I was hated. School, home, everywhere. Not one person cared. Not one person liked me or cared about me, but he did. He cared about me. Well, no, but he didn't, but it felt like he did. All the time, it felt like he cared about me. I know he didn't, but that way I felt when I was with him was like he did. And God, I just wanted that so much. There was a long pause. It was so very long. It was a pause that held together 30 years and then exploded like a supernova.
It wasn't clarity. Clarity was too small. This was boundless. This was something else. This was Christ spit in my eyes. And the important question that follows, do you see? Yes, I see. I went back because he made me feel wanted. That's why I went back. I was alone and he made me feel like I wasn't. He made me feel cared about and wanted. And I knew it wasn't real, but I didn't care because it was better than the empty feeling. It was better than the nothingness that was everywhere else. He hurt me, but he wanted me too. He liked me and I wanted him to like me. And he was the only one. A shudder and then a breath. My feet lifted off the floor and shuffled and my back lifted away from the couch cushions. The feeling was like a tide coming back in, not numbness, but something different, a first step forward. I felt cared about. 